your job and make six figures working from home in your spare time? If so, keep listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, where every week we teach you how to make money from the internet. Step one, play Second Life for about a decade. Step two, deeply understand the social dynamics and virtual economy. Step three, go back to college to learn 3D modeling. Step four, you'll have to listen to the whole episode for that, my dear boy. And now here are the hosts who also make six figures from home. And by figures, we mean 3D printed Warhammer 40K miniatures, Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Allie. And on this show, we talk about... Fun, odd, interesting corners of the internet. And today's episode is my nightmare. <laughs> Pregnancy. <laughs> I wanted Matt to add a little ding. My nightmare. I know. <laughs> I, my soundboard is limited, unfortunately. I can't. Get it uh, together. He's limited. His soundboard, His soundboard is, is limited. limited. <laughs> Hold on. I do, I do have this sound. Let me know if this helps you. It's going to rip your little booty hole apart. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was easier to make custom ringtones on iPhone. <laughs> My God. An Android baby, that's what they're for. You that's what they're for. Anything. To make it personal, baby. This is my ringtone now. It's going to rip your little booty hole apart. <laughs> like, I don't even know what, I don't even know when I said that. I have no <laughs> clue. Like, what was the context? Does anyone, <laughs> Matt, do you remember? I do, but um, we'll wait for listeners to uh, chime in. That's for Matt to know and for me to find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, you've heard that recently we've been, we, we covered Second Life, their 20 year anniversary. And then Lindsay and I went into Second Life. We tried it out. And the corners of Second Life are really wild. And today we're talking to a woman who makes babies and pregnancy bodies so you can experience pregnancy in Second Life. I mean, actually, maybe this isn't my nightmare because maybe that's the only way I want to experience it. Because you don't want to. It's going to rip your little booty hole apart. You don't want that to happen. That's my concern. I wonder if in Second Life there's a full labor, including your vagina tearing to your asshole, which is a level four. <laughs> yes. And there's also other kinds of tears. There's like fistulas. There's all kinds of things that could happen. But oh, they yes. don't always happen. Yeah. Especially not to white ladies in America. But... <laughs> You know, other places and other races, yes. <laughs> other places, other races. Other races. I do have another. I do have another sound effect here. Hold on. Uh huh. How do I walk? <laughs> that's from an ad. I don't even know if that's me or Lindsay. It's you for sure. It's you. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting a text. Hold on. How do I walk? That's gonna rip your little booty hole apart. That one should be first. Yeah, that needs to be first, Matt. Get it together. Uh, I do remember where these are from. This is this is not from an ad. This is Allie talking about <laughs> going into Second Life for the first time and not know not knowing what she was doing. How do I walk? <laughs> yeah, that's and then, so uh, funny. Booty hole is Lindsay reacting to uh, last week's trivia or two weeks ago <laughs> when we were talking about wiping butts with uh, corn cob. Oh yeah. Oh, these are both 
Yeah, that corn cob could rip your little booty hole yeah. apart. It's wild to me that they are doing pregnancy and stuff in Second Life when I couldn't even walk. I couldn't figure out a walk. Everything about it was complicated. It was very complicated, but I flew my first time, apparently. No. Yeah, that's no, you were advanced. doing way better than I was. We got to try, try it out again. I can see why why it is interesting and what is interesting about it. I finally saw it. Because before we went in, Allie was like, I don't think it's going to be as engaging if it's not like VR, you know, where you're not Mm -hmm. immersed in it. But it actually is pretty engaging. It is just a little bit more difficult to figure out. I stand by what I said, but (laughs) (laughs) I think that like I get how the barrier to entry is kind of appealing for a lot of people. And definitely I think it's wild, like the niches and, and the way they are able to build out their own worlds and the user generated content is really quite wild. But for me, yeah. yeah, the fact that it's not immersive, it's so hard to figure out. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. I am so glad that Sassy gave us a tour. I'm glad about that too. Yeah. Yep. Sassy is an excellent guide. And I know that she actually, I think maybe has a little side business about tutoring people in Second Life. And I can see how that is definitely a thing. It might wow. not even be a business. Hit her up. See if she's willing to take you around. I think she's doing it just out of the kindness of her own heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. And shout out to Sassy again, because I believe she introduced us to our guest today, or she connected <gasps> us to That's uh, right. our guest. So we, this episode does not happen without Sassy again. So yeah. shout out. We'd like to dedicate this episode to Sassy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think about this stuff a lot because I think it's the difference when Ali, when you were describing it, of like uh, if I handed you a Lego kit of you know uh, the M- Millennium Falcon and you just had to put it together, that's one thing. But if I just handed you a pile of Legos and said do whatever you want, that's for someone totally different. And those are two different kinds of people who would approach a platform like this. Yeah, someone someone hands me a pile of Legos. I got no interest. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's like, hey, here's a world where, where you I could start? do anything. Where do I start? And some people are like, yeah, I could do anything. And some people like you and me, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, give me a job. Give me a task. Give me a goal. You know? Yeah. And it's the, it's the difference between a sandbox and, uh, you know, a more traditional video game or a social platform. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Matthew, mm-hmm. I recently hung out with a friend who has a new baby. He's a new dad. And I was talking about how I, unlike Allie, really do want to be pregnant and give birth. And he mm-hmm. was talking about as a, a black father who is married to a black woman, he was like, yo, <laughs> let me, when I tell you it's wild and had I known beforehand, I would have absolutely not allowed the love of my life to be pregnant. I wouldn't yeah. have done it. Yeah, I get that. He was like, I am fully traumatized just from witnessing what my wife had to go through <laughs> to bring the best possible thing that could ever happen to us yeah. into the world. Sure. And if I had known about it before, I wouldn't have done it. I was like, wow, seeing a man <laughs> say that straight to my face while holding his own son is wild. Wait, are they going to have another? He said, I will not let my wife (laughs) be pregnant again. He's like, I can't handle it. I I don't know if she can. And even if she wants to, like if she forgets, I'm never going to forget how horrible it was. I was scared. Mm -hmm. It seems very dangerous. (laughs) He was like, she barely had complications and it was awful for me. That was my question of like, there's a sliding scale of complications of some people have it really bad. The thing that, uh, that always gets me about all of it is like pregnancy and childbirth was basically a death sentence 
for women and babies until like 200 years before antibiotics and modern medicine. Y'all, I was at a dinner party a couple weeks ago and the guy's wife died during childbirth, giving birth to twins five years ago. Which is horrible. And to to, to extrapolate that to be like- cannot even imagine. That was the norm. That was like 50%, 50, like in in ancient times, you know, whatever. It's just- Well, that's why people used to have children so young. Because like teenagers are elastic. They can really bounce back (laughs) from a lot. Like, I mean, just think about it. When you were a teenager, think about how many dumb friends you had break stuff. Like people just break their arms and they live their whole life with no problem. Mm -hmm. As an older person, you break an arm, you're going to need fucking pins (laughs) to like (laughs) keep those things together, you know? But kids are just elastic and bounce back. And that's why they were getting teenagers pregnant because yeah, it's going to rip her little booty hole apart, but she's (laughs) she's going to bounce back. (laughs) Well, also just because... There was no birth control. That's why they right. had babies so young. Well, they would. That's why they were married <laughs> old dudes to young women too, because Ugh, like gross. their wives were dead. <laughs> y- yes, all of this is oh! factual. Like a, a childbearing person of an age is like the most valuable purse vessel in a yeah. in an ancient society, which is why we have all this fucked up shit around it. Yep. You know? Yep. 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 Well, now that we're all thoroughly scarred, I think it's time to do a hard pivot. I hope that the trivia is not equally scarring. What do you got for us, oh, Matt? Get ready, get ready. So I'm glad you mentioned this, Lindsay, because coincidentally, uh, even though we're covering virtual pregnancies in Second Life, today's trivia is about real pregnancy, at least as it went down, in ancient Egypt 3,500 years ago. Wow. Uh, scientists are constantly translating and interpreting texts from ancient times, as we know, including a trove from 3,500 years ago containing medical records on papyrus. These documents include a lot of information about pregnancy, including the development of an ancient pregnancy test that researchers tested in modern times and found that this 3,000-year-old pregnancy test is 70% accurate. Oh! What did ancient Egyptian women do to determine if they were pregnant. I have three choices. You're looking for the real thing from the real papyrus. The other two I made up. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. A. Women would urinate in a bag of wheat and a bag of barley. If the wheat sprouts first, it's a girl. And if the barley sprouts first, it's a boy. If the crops do not sprout, the woman is not pregnant. That is choice A. <laughs> okay, that's ridiculous. Continue. That's not it. No, there's no way that's, that predicts anything with 70% accuracy. <laughs> it doesn't even predict whether or not barley is growing. With like, <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> All right, I got two more for you. Is it B? Women of noble birth could prick their finger and bleed into a cup of shadeh, S-H. H-E-D-E-H. I don't know how you say that. A sacred red wine used in religious ceremonies. If the blood became globby, like curdled milk, it means the woman was pregnant. But if the mixture remained liquidy, like wine, no pregnancy. But either way, a priest would have to drink the bloody wine because it was a sin to discard it. That is choice B. I'm going with B only because how the fuck would you have made that up? That is so crazy. That is so crazy. Absolutely ancient royals were doing crazy (laughs) shit like that. Or is it C, women would poop on the ground near a lake 
or a pond and then observe the feces from afar. If it attracted skimmer dragonflies, the woman was probably pregnant, but if it just attracted regular bugs like flies and beetles, but no dragonflies, she was not pregnant. That's gonna rip your little booty hole apart. See, it could be it. That's regular know. poop. Regular poop doesn't usually rip your little booty hole apart. I just like to say. Uh, you never know. Also, pooping near a lake, that's not nice because people bathe in that probably. Hmm. Wow. Well, I think number two is the most unhinged, so it's probably <laughs> right. I'm going with B. Okay, Lindsay goes with the bloody wine. Yeah. Me too. People, I'm not diversifying. Yeah. Wow. That one's too yeah, insane. It's okay. too crazy. We will find out what ancient Egyptian women 30, uh, 3,500 years ago used to do to check their pregnancies uh, when we return. Friends, the gestation period for a human is 10 months because it's 40 weeks, but the gestation period for you getting us to say your name right now in our Patreon appreciation is just the amount of time it takes you to donate to the Patreon at $10 or more. I would like to thank the people who have already done so by telling them that I would probably give birth to their children. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. For only 10? That's a great perk. Yeah, what's the, what's the, what is your payment for surrogacy? I <laughs> well, I'll give birth to the kid, but then I'll keep it. <laughs> All right, so Lindsay's really winning here. She's desperate really for a dark. fucking baby. All right. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for Allie to teach my kid all kinds of terrible shit. Oh, that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever said to me. Yeah, it's going to hang out with Allie and come back just saying curse words I've never even heard before. And I'm like, what are you doing? And you're like, Auntie Allie taught me how to curse in Swedish. Why? <laughs> and then I call Allie. She goes, yeah, I just learned Swedish curse words just to fuck up your kids. <laughs> Thanks, Allie. <laughs> That's what friends are for. Okay. And speaking of friends, thank you very much to Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Jessica Kybell, Ken M, and Kelsey Murray. Thank you, thank you, thank you very, very much. We hope that none of you have experienced a terrible childbirth, be it your own or that of others that you have given life to. And if you would like us to say your name, please go to Patreon Patreon.com slash 2G1P. And now a real advertisement entitled Positive Pregnancy Test. $20. Gastonia, North Carolina. From the number one online marketplace for things that have probably been peed on. Craigslist.org. Need a positive pregnancy test as a gag or funny joke? Want to get your boyfriend to pop the question sooner and want to give him a little push? Here is a positive pregnancy test. First response pregnancy test. If interested, please contact me. I actually know someone who did this. Uh, to their husband as a <laughs> April Fool's Day prank because you told us about this. Yeah, I feel like yeah. you said this. Yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. I think I've told that story. That is a real thing that people do. So that that person, yo, if and when I ever get pregnant, come to me. I will sell it to you for five bucks. <laughs> you, you buy the test, I'll pee on it. You trick whoever you want, baby. Girl, I'm really worried about your pricing model here. Mm, mm-hmm, it's because mm-hmm. I. It's just pee. I'm gonna pee all the time. Yeah, anyway. but you also offered our listeners to. 
carry their baby for ten dollars, and I'm just no, I'm basically I, stealing their genetics. I just think I need to have an intervention here. I'm just saying you're worth it, girl. You're worth it. <laughs> you're worth at least fifteen. Come on, at I least mean, fifteen. Don't sell yourself. No, it's short. ten dollars a month to pay for the baby. <laughs> That's all babies need, right? <laughs> yeah, ten dollars. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But now we are ready for trivia. Tell us the answer. One of these is real. Two are fake. Uh, in ancient Egypt, we have some papyri that uh, contain a lot of medical stuff. The ancient Egyptians are pretty good at medicine. 3,500 years ago, uh, women were taking home pregnancy tests uh, using using stuff that's around. around. Just around. You know, stuff like your poop. <laughs> Nobody chose A, uh, peeing in barley and wheat to see which one sprouts first. These, First of all, all of these sound like things that men would tell people to do. Sure. Like a man would absolutely be like, pee on this plot, honey, and then we'll know if it's a boy. Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody wine is B, uh, sacred wine, where if you if the woman would bleed in there and if, if, it, if the blood curdled, then uh, you got a pregnancy. Lindsay and Allie both went with that. Mm-hmm. No one chose C, pooping on the ground and seeing if dragonflies will, will come over. No one's, no one's going with that one. No. Uh, one of these is real, and not only is it a real practice from ancient Egypt, but verified 70% accurate in modern times. This, this, these were sort of deciphered by archaeologists and then tested by medical science, and it showed uh, some results. So are you both sticking with B? Absolutely. I, I'm sticking with the blood, but that, now that it's verified, it seems less likely that's the blood. But anyway, I'm sticking with it. Okay. Uh, this is according to Smithsonian Magazine and a variety of other sources. According to the National Institutes of Health, in 1963, researchers decided to try out the method of peeing in barley oh, and man. wheat. Oh, man. We were both like, that's such what? bullshit. <laughs> now, what I will clarify here is that this method has no impact, does not predict the gen- the sex of the baby. That's bullshit. Okay, see, that's the thing that made me mm-hmm. not pick it. The being like the gender. That's what the Egyptians believed. However, yeah. there is something in a pregnant woman's urine, some sort of enzyme or hormone that will cause these crops to sprout in a bag more quickly than, you know, pee that is not uh, from a pregnant woman. Yeah, and wow. apparently it is 70% accurate according to uh, studies in the, the, looks like the 60s and 70s after they deciphered these texts. That's what? fun. I actually like that. I like that. 70%? accuracy (laughs) that's ridiculous wow man you know who knows maybe i'll get pregnant at burning man which i'm going to oh don't wish that okay (laughs) but if you do we'll have you pee on some wheat and barley and uh, we'll see what happens see if if it worked no i'm sure burning man is full of of protection and contraception right that is true that is true but also people talk about sex at burning man i think it sounds disgusting i would never want to have sex at burning man you let me know how you feel when you come back yeah if i mean if i'm gonna have sex at burning man it's got to be day one right i'm not having day six yeah you can't no because then you're then you're you can't shower after that either it's Mm. no it's no i don't get it i don't get it but Hmm. yep great 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 let me know let me know keep me posted dm me Okay, everybody, it is time to welcome our guest. Known in the virtual world as Carrie 
Terry Tatsu. Our guest is the owner and now recently sole proprietor of the store, Zuby. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Great to have you. I said sole proprietor. Could you tell us a little bit about how you became the sole proprietor of the store? Sure. So I started in advertising. I went to art school at the Art Institute of Chicago, and that's where I met my husband. And we both were art majors. I studied visual communications and design, and he studied painting. And after school, we both went into advertising. So we had worked for various ad agencies in Chicago. I had worked at Razorfish, and so did he. And then I had a baby, and I had an opportunity to take one year off from work. And during that year, I was actually kind of bored. <laughs> um, I was home with the baby. I, I had Again, I had a, a year where I didn't have to worry about going and getting a job. And I was, during the day, I just started, you know, I was, I was walking my baby around town and just bored. And at the time, there were actual newspapers, and I had gotten the Chicago Tribune (laughs) distributed, and I had read an article in the Chicago Tribune about people selling virtual goods in virtual worlds, and this was 2006. And at the time, I thought that was really interesting, and so I logged in while my son was sleeping, and I had basically learned about this virtual space that I thought was so fascinating, and I kind of became enamored with it. And it was a distraction and it was sort of a a way for me to escape. So I did that while my baby was sleeping. And then what happened was I bought a virtual cat. And I remember that the cat became part of my virtual identity. And what that meant is everywhere I went, I took that cat with me. So it's as if like my cat was part of who I was. And after I did that, I realized that was a really important part of a virtual life, that what you carry and what you attach is almost part of who you are. And I thought, wow, I could probably make a better looking cat because I have a background in design and art. And so at the time I had a cat, a real life cat named Spaceman, and I thought I could make a cat, a virtual cat that looked like Spaceman. And my husband at the time was working and I was working on this virtual cat again while my baby was sleeping. And I would walk around with the cat that I made. And random people would go up to me asking me where I got my cat. And I said, I made the cat. And they would ask if they could buy the cat directly from me. And at the time, I thought, well, I I should open a virtual pet store if people want to actually buy this cat. I didn't have any intention of of necessarily selling the cat or or building this virtual empire or anything. I, I just really wanted to do something creative before I went back to my real job. And this was it. And so I thought, okay, well, how do I open a virtual pet store? And I remember at the time, it was $300 to buy virtual real estate and $1,000 to buy an island. And we didn't have a lot of money and I wanted an island, but I thought, okay, I can't afford $1,000 right now. So I'll spend $300. And I remember too, my husband said, why are you spending $300 on virtual land? And I said, just, you know, I need something to do that is outside of taking care of a baby. And he's like, all right, whatever. And so I bought virtual land and I opened a virtual pet store and immediately people started buying my cat and it was so surprising. And so then I decided I would make other pets. And within one year, I replaced my advertising salary. And so it was like this dream come true. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was 
was really, really fun. That's incredible. In one year. Yeah, it was Yes. <laughs> it was really crazy. That is incredible. Wait, how good was your advertising salary or bad? Let's talk yeah, about Yeah, so it. I was at a high-end advertising salary. <laughs> at the time, it was easier actually getting work and getting a job. So when I went to the Art Institute, I was actually going for graduate school. I had previously worked for a dot-com startup in the 90s, and then I came back to Chicago to um, go to graduate school while my husband was an undergraduate. So I had a great job. And so the salary was was fine. I just, I didn't love advertising. It wasn't my passion. I, I really loved working for myself. I was more of an artist. I liked being creative and not having limitations on what I could do. And I didn't flourish really very well in advertising. So I was happy to quit and I wasn't <laughs> thrilled about going back. And it was an opportunity. And I honestly, I didn't know I would be making a living off of doing this. It was just sort of this random thing that happened and I happened to be good at it. And so then after about a year, I didn't have to go back to my my job. And we hired a nanny to help care for the baby when he was about two. And then I was able to really put time and effort into this virtual store. My husband at the time an artist and I convinced him to quit his job because within two years, he uh, we replaced his salary. And so I said, hey, you know, he's a very, very great artist. I said, let's do this together because I think we can make fantastic products. I can manage the business and you can help me create these pets. And he was on board completely. He, he didn't particularly love advertising. And we were making at that point enough money where we didn't have to work at an agency anymore. He was completely on board. He quit his job. And then we eventually actually bought a house in the suburbs, both working in this virtual space. Hang on, real house or virtual real house? house? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And so it was interesting. So we ended up working at home. So we started working remotely right around, I started in 2006. He started around 2008, which is nuts. Oh my gosh. So y'all were like <laughs> literally two decades ahead of the curve. It, yeah, it was crazy in creating virtual assets for a video game. And it was, it was great because there was a lot of freedom. Because we had very small children, we were able to take the kids to daycare and work whenever we wanted during the day. And if the kids were ever sick, we were home. It was extremely convenient. And so business grew and, and we collaboratively made new pets. We made dogs, we made cats, we made snakes. And then we eventually, I had an idea that we should make virtual babies. And the reason I thought about that was when you make a dog, for example, let's say you make a Chihuahua or you make a Doberman, they're very different 3D models. So making the shape of a, of a Doberman compared to the shape of a Chihuahua was very different. And it took longer because the dogs were so unique in their design and actual model. And I thought, well, if we make one virtual baby, we can texture it differently to become different ethnicities. And maybe we would sell more babies and it would be faster. And who knows, maybe people would like having virtual babies. That turned out to be a huge win for us. People went crazy for virtual babies. So I had no idea. It was more like strategic business decision to say, how can we sort of like get more out than, you know, spend our like endless, endless months just making one product after another. <laughs> We've talked to some Second Life people and they said that the thing that a lot of creators were like hesitant or trepidatious about was, you know, skin and offending other people from ethnicities different from their own. And when I tell you, I looked at some photos of the babies you made, these babies are incredible. So, I mean, I don't know 
what you look like because we we are also not looking at each other right now. But these babies look so good and these little black babies hair, I I th- it looks so good and they all have different haircuts and hairstyles and the attention to detail is so strong. I like in in my opinion, I think the ethnic babies look better than the white babies. <laughs> They usually do. <laughs> in real life, too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay, aren't you one of the people who created a Facebook group way back in the day that said Asian babies are cuter than other races' babies? I did not create that group, but I was a member of that group. <laughs> right. That's that's our shame past. We shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> no, that's it's really funny you say that because we actually have an affiliate system that allows every other creator to make various skins for our babies. So although I created the base version, like the, let's say, 14 default skins, we have this affiliate system that allows endless people to make endless skins. So really, some of the skins that you see on that page are created from other people. Wow. Uh, and again, that's because, you know... You're not a slave to capitalism. You're like, we can make things better together and we can all benefit from it. Look, call me old fashioned. I prefer my virtual babies to be bespoke, custom babies. I don't like this whole baby industrial complex that you've developed <laughs> here. And I, and I have to, I just have to say that. Okay. But that's what she's saying. You can, you can make your own bespoke baby, Matthew. No, I know. I know. I, I just like that. She's optimized the baby creation process where she can just crank them out. It's amazing. All right. How much does a baby cost? So I know there's Linden dollars. And then what does that convert to in U.S. dollars? We sell newborns that have less functionality. And then we sell little babies that have more functionality that can already crawl. And those cost 5000 virtual dollars, which is about 18 to 20 U.S. dollars. But let me just say this. Once you buy this baby, you own it forever and you can assign other people to use that baby and play with that baby and hold that baby. And then the newborn is a little bit less. That's between 12 and $15 US dollars. So, you know, virtual dollars is about 3,800. It's delightful. There's a little baby that has a parakeet on her shoulder. I'm sorry. I'm, (laughs) it's just so cute. Do you sell the baby and the parakeet or you have to buy them separately? What we're doing now is we're making pets that can actually play with the babies. So we have a virtual cat that the baby will pet or the cat will go up to and meow at. And we plan to make other puppies and birds and butterflies and all sorts of animals, maybe little ponies. The reason for that is people really like a cohesive experience where they're in a space that they can play with multiple things at the same time. And these assets or these virtual goods interact with each other and their friends and themselves. So it's as if in real life, you have your baby and then you get a puppy and then the puppy plays with you and your baby. So we're trying to mimic that real life experience because that's really what people desire in a virtual space. That's cool. Okay. So you started making babies physically in real life and in virtual life. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of took off. The company took off even even more so than when you were making pets. Yes. Everything has been very organic and we learned along the way and we were lucky enough where I actually started the business with $300, like I said, buying that land. There wasn't any investment and we immediately started making enough money to live on. And so what that gave us was a lot of time and an opportunity to grow slowly and basically not worry about having to get something out whether you know immediately or worry about whether it's sold or not and we were able to experiment with the market 
So what we found was that when we first launched babies, we launched them as a whole package. So you would get a baby and the baby would do everything you wanted it to do. And we found that we would sell that particular baby or pets for, let's say, two months, and then that product would die out and people would no longer buy it because they already had everything they needed to care for that one thing. But we found if we created a care system where there was an incentive to keep caring for your baby and the baby would learn things or grow or you would get toys, then there was more incentive for people to keep buying things for the baby. They're kind of microtransactions, but we were really aware of how we were providing this. I'll, I'll explain. So if somebody gave their baby a bottle or gave their baby a bath, they were rewarded with tokens. And then those tokens could be redeemed for virtual toys. And if they didn't do anything, let's say they ignore their baby or they didn't feed their baby, they weren't penalized. And that was something that was very intentional because we didn't want people to lose their babies or have to pay those microtransactions. We wanted that to be more of something that they would benefit from if they did. And that made the customers happy because people who couldn't necessarily afford to buy elaborate things for their babies, did they could just, you know, they didn't have to, their babies would go on and play. And those that wanted to care for their babies, they would be rewarded and eventually get toys. It worked out really well for us. It allowed us to grow and people never really felt like we were nickel and diming them because they were gaining something from care and they enjoyed caring for the baby. So that was sort of like a breakthrough for us. And we didn't know that immediately. It was through time and, and working with customers and getting feedback that we were able to figure this out. So who are the primary customers that you see coming to you and, and what have you heard from them? I mean, you said there's feedback. What kinds of positive and negative feedback have you gotten from the community? Our general audience are women, mostly. You can see, obviously, it's a female-centric product, and they're generally between 25 to 45. And that's generally like an age where you would have a baby, you know, though that between those ages. And overall, we've had a really positive experience with the community. They, they like it when we release things. We're very good about keeping products updated. So in case there's a bug or something breaks, we offer a free update. We, we've experimented in other products as well. So for example, for a while we were making breathable lemurs and that particular audience was more hostile to the product. And the reason why is that their incentive in purchasing a breathable lemur was to breed it and sell a lemur that was more valuable than the lemur they bought. And as a result, they never felt like they had almost like an attachment or cared about the lemur or the product. And so they were more competitive, they were more argumentative, and they didn't love it. And so that we ha that was actually also really interesting for us to learn about virtual worlds and how people react to these products. Again, like the baby community are, you know, very happy, loving community. We haven't really had many problems, but when we made other products that where the intention was different, we had communities angry at each other, arguing, and it was a more difficult experience. And as a result, we actually never made another breathable pet. Wow. That's wild. I mean, it seems like that might be true for people who breed animals in the real world as well. Yeah, it's just, and also it's just wasn't a fun for me. Like I didn't like being in a community where people were arguing or trying to outsell each other or one person had the funds to sort of buy like 10,000 uh, lemurs and somebody else didn't. And they didn't love the product. They didn't feel a connection to it like they do the babies. The babies, they felt like they were, or, or puppies or kitties, they felt like they it was part of them and their family and they wanted to take care of it and they wanted to hold it and share it. Carrie, I'm amazed by all this. And then, you know, you're saying you're an artist and your husband at the time is an artist. And so, but you're talking about interactive 
NPC characters meshes, meaning like if Parrot come approaches Baby and Baby is happy, then they play together. Like you're scripting animations and behavior and breeding. Like who's doing all this programming and how do, how do you do that in Second Life? We started off very small. So when I started the business, there wasn't much scripting required. For example, when I made the cat, the cat couldn't walk. It wasn't an independent NPC. It was more like a clothing item. So you would wear it and hmm. that was pretty much it. And I had um, I had joined scripting groups and I found people who would script something very simple for free. And then as the customer base requested more functionality, I then started searching for programmers to hire. Okay. As the company made more money, I was able to hire a team. As Second Life evolved where you could make real, real like 3D animated assets, I ended up hiring an animator. Over time, the business evolved as the technology changed. So I still was able to build the 3D models and texture them. I actually had help even doing that because just even building all these assets takes a tremendous amount of time. But I was able to hire various developers to code them and I would work with them. And I actually, my job became more of a product manager and less of an artist over time because I had to manage these projects and make sure they weren't buggy and work with developers every single day. Like I have to say some of my best friends online are software engineers. Like they're, (laughs) and and they think differently. It's wonderful to collaborate. When you have an artist and a software developer working together, sometimes the most amazing products get made. And that's kind of what we did. So we ended up having a team. So I've been working very closely with a number of different software developers over years. There is nothing like this on the internet. There is no other game or platform. This is amazing. How big was your team? Or how big is it now? Well, it kind of changes. So I have one full-time animator who works with me pretty much every day, a software developer, same thing, full-time. And then I have contractors. So for example, if I need a baby swing modeled and I don't have time to model it, I'll hire someone to do it or I'll buy the swing online and I'll modify it in Blender. And then we have customer service people who are on all day long. We have a backend developer that built the initial database. And then if anything goes wrong with the database, he comes in and fixes things or does various updates. The team is I under 10 Second Life isn't huge. It's not, it hasn't reached this mass audience like Facebook, you know, where you have billions of people online. And so as a result, we've had a pretty small team, but you can do a lot with a very small team. If you look, some indie games that are, have blown up have basically like three people. So as long as you have a core group of people that all have unique skill sets and you have somebody that's very good at managing those people and making making sure the product works and gets launched, you don't need really more than under 10 at any given time. I mean, that's wild, though. That's all from Second Life. Yeah. Let's talk about the pregnant body. How did that get started? One negative thing about working remotely and working with your spouse is sometimes you spend too much time working with your spouse and being around each other all day long, every day, and raising kids together. And I can say this too, it makes me really wonder about what happened during the pandemic with many relationships. People are just around each other too much. And so my marriage, unfortunately, didn't work out. We, I ended up getting divorced. It was amicable. We're friends. He is a painter, so he actually paints with acrylics. And I continued to run Second Life, and I ended up buying him out of Second Life. He didn't, um, wasn't interested in doing it anymore because he wanted to pursue painting. So then after that, I, I get these ideas that I get super excited about. And I thought, is it possible to make a woman actually give birth to a baby? And the reason I thought that was so fascinating is because 
when I was watching the market, I saw that the female avatar was the most sought after product. Everybody really wanted to have the best, most realistic, most customizable female avatar. That was sort of like the holy grail of all virtual goods, because with that, you have fashion and you have anything you could possibly imagine. And so I thought, well, there were pregnancy options, but there wasn't an avatar itself where the belly could grow over time or where you could actually see the baby inside of you grow as you're, you develop. And so I had this idea like, oh my gosh, it would be so amazing to make that because I already had the baby and what if we could do that? And then what if we could have an animation where the mother actually gives birth to the child? Like how intimate could that be? And so when my ex left, I decided I was going to make that product. And I was, again, it was, I, I get excited about it because how amazing that you can sort of simulate that, but simulate it with the, with the options that are desirable. So for example, you didn't have to have morning sickness or when you deliver the baby, it could be a beautiful looking experience. Like you didn't, it, it did, you didn't have to have any, I don't know how to explain it. It's like negative or, you know, disgusting anything. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you didn't have to simulate shit on the table. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm just so... <laughs> she said it. I, did, I wasn't going to say it. But did you see it, Matt, when your wife... I, I'm not going to comment on that, but I will say... Yeah, let's not out his wife <laughs> I like will, that. <laughs> I will say Everybody does Everybody it. does it. Um, second life, colon, you don't have to poop on the table. I think it's a great tagline for the whole platform. What do you think? Or if you want to, you can. Oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. true. Yeah, you can choose to. Yeah. <laughs> so when you see the belly, when you see the baby grow inside of you, it's it's so awesome because that's all you see. You don't have to see your uterus. You don't have to see anything else. You just see this growing belly with this growing baby. And I remember when I was pregnant, all I wanted to do was see my baby at each trimester. And when you got those 3D scans, the baby like all look mushed, you know, you couldn't really see like the baby. And, and I thought, wow, well, we didn't in virtual world, in a virtual world, you don't don't have to have a 3D scan. We can make that fetus grow over time and you can look at it and peek in and see what it looked like. And that for me was such a remarkable experience that we could simulate virtually that you can't in real life, but that everybody wants. And was it like a nine month animation? So in real life, you know, you are stuck with nine months and you have to wait each month. And, and that's that, that you don't have any other options. You can't like get pregnant and have your baby three days later. But in a virtual world, you can. So we gave the option where people could carry their pregnancy within a nine day period or a nine week period of time or a nine month period of time. And that way, people, if they wanted to have their baby sooner, they didn't necessarily have to wait nine months. We also had the option where you could skip a month so you could speed it up. You could also pause your pregnancy. So if you were playing the game and you wanted to like go out of town for a week, you could just pause it and then come back where you left off. And again, none of these things were, are ever available in real life. Like life just happens and that, you know, but in a virtual world, we had an opportunity to really make this what I would think would be ideal as like ideal opportunities in a real life. Like imagine you're really pregnant and you can just pause your pregnancy and go on vacation. Yeah, this is the only pregnancy I want. You know, you can make it three days, you can throw the baby away after if you don't like it. Exactly. And and the other thing too, like if two men wanted to have a baby that was was theirs, um, they could combine their genetic virtual DNA and have a baby together that looked like them or two women. That's really cool. Yeah, thinking about, well, what would people want that we could give them an opportunity in this virtual space that they couldn't necessarily have in real life, but that would be desirable to them. What percentage of your 
your customers are picking a cute baby off the shelf versus saying, my avatar looks like this, therefore I want my baby to look genetically like me or my partner or whatever? What's going on there? I would say more people pick the baby off the shelf than okay. go and have go through the pregnancy. They just they just do. They, you know, Not everybody wants to be pregnant, but they want a baby. But we definitely have plenty of people who also want to be pregnant. We actually had a man contact us and ask him if we could make a male pregnant. And I, I just, it's so much work to have like to develop the body. And to, and I said, I'm sorry, like you have to just role play. Oh, mpreg that's a huge market. Hey. Wow. Not many men really want to be pregnant. Like they want a baby, but they don't. I don't know about that. This is the internet. <laughs> that's one of our first interviews on this podcast. That's right. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Well, it was just, it's so expensive and it takes so much time to actually make a body where a belly grows and I, I, you know, we didn't have any enough people who wanted to, men who wanted to be pregnant. That's, that's so interesting. You would think that male pregnant would be a thing in second life, but I guess not. It is, but not enough, not, not enough, enough to bear not the enough. market. Was it Arnold Schwarzenegger who wanted the pregnant belly? <laughs> <laughs> so what were the different types of women you encountered who wanted to have this pregnancy simulation? Kind of what you would expect. There were people who were not able to have babies in real life. There were people who were already um, had their babies and they were grandparents. They wanted to relive that experience that they really enjoyed when they were younger. Oh, wow. They wanted to do it again. Right, right. There were, <laughs> there were people that had families or, or had relationships in Second Life and wanted to have a family again with somebody else. And again, this isn't just babies. They wanted dogs and cats and birds and houses. And this was sort of part of this um, reliving a life that maybe you didn't necessarily have or didn't have an opportunity to have. And so we offered that. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you know roughly how many people have opted in for this pregnancy simulation? I don't have the numbers with me right now, but essentially the, this business supports me and my kids. There are enough customers, new customers every month that come in and buy the products. And really it's interesting because it's we don't really sell as many virtual pregnancies. What we mostly sell are caring products. So let's say that you have the baby and but really what you want to do is care for it. So we sell more virtual bottles or virtual cat litter or with for the pregnancy, the mother needs to be treated well. And so we sell like virtual pillows that allow the mother to rest and virtual snacks so she can have ice cream and pickles. So we actually <laughs> make more, we sell more of those products than we do the actual pregnancy. So we'll have a handful of people that definitely come in and buy the main product. But again, how we really, how the business keeps running is through these other caring products. That's so fun. I, I still can't believe how many people choose to eat in Second Life. I forget to eat in my regular life. So I'm not going to like think, oh, I really want ice cream and pickles for my virtual self. Well, there's an incentive. So for example, if you do that, if you take care of yourself, or let's say that you have a partner that wants to care for you and buy you virtual chocolates, what happens then is you're happy and there's a happiness meter. And if you're happy, you get to make wishes and those wishes could determine um, your baby and how the baby will come out. So for example, if you're happy, you can make wishes about what you want your baby to be. If you want your baby to be athletic or you want your baby to be intelligent or something, you can pick attributes and the baby it would say at the very end, your wishes came true. So there's always an incentive with these things. You've, you, the, you've scripted this in. This is not 
part of Second Life. This is all part of your product. It's just so I'm understanding. Yeah, I I have software developers that script this exactly. Yeah, but it's not like the baby. The baby isn't actually stronger, but it says it is, and so you uh, believe it is. Got so it. that's just sort of like part of the fantasy and role play of this. Your programmers have scripted game mechanics similar to a Tamagotchi or a virtual pet situation into the products. And again, this is just extraordinary. I, I love this. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. And if you're, it says your wishes have come true, does your baby do something smart? Or no, no, it doesn't really know. Is your baby then throw a football with a perfect spiral? Yeah, no, it doesn't. But it gives you sort of like, let's say that you make like 20 wishes and then like 10 come true. So it's almost like you wish for something and you just kind of see at the end what, what it has. But what you can do is you can definitely customize it with different skins and different kinds of hair and things like that that are definitive and you see that. But the wishes are more like imagining what you want your baby to be or grow up as. That's great. That's, that's, I feel like that's so nice for people. I know a lot of parents miss when their kids are little. And do you find that people are doing that? Or is it more people who don't have kids at all and are trying to sort of try it out before they have them or people who can't have kids? Who's, who's the primary audience? I would say all of the above. It's, it's difficult to know because not everybody tells me their personal story. True. But what I do know is that it's a shared experience. And so if you go on and you're looking for a connection and community and you find a partner and then getting one of these products, you share this together. So when you have the baby, your partner is able to give the baby a bath and so are you, or your partner is able to give the baby a bottle and so are you. And so it allows people to come together and do to like basically care for these things together. It just creates a bond between people in a virtual space. Nice. Wow. What are some what are some of the your favorite testimonials from customers? Like are I guess what I'm what I'm asking is are there stories that have really surprised you in terms of why they decided to do this? Yeah, what surprised me is I never knew I could I can explain something that happened that was really fascinating that I had I I didn't I had no idea was going to happen. So when we first launched the babies version 1.0 we made the babies transferable, okay? So what that means is that I buy a baby and then I can pass the baby to you and then you have the baby, okay? But that means though that you don't have to necessarily pass the baby back to me. It's up to you to do that. So I'm giving you full rights to that baby. And what I didn't anticipate was that people would steal the babies. <gasps> yeah, it oh. was really, this was version 1.0. Oh. oh my God. Yeah, and it, it gets worse. So we also had people that came to our sim they would convince customers that they worked for us. They would ask them to set, give, pass them their baby so they could register it, which was illegal because they didn't. And they would steal it and then resell it on a third-party adoption center. And mm. I had no idea. Wait, that, what? A third-party yeah. adoption center? What do you even mean? Yeah, it was like, yeah. So what they would do <laughs> oh is this, no, this was version 1.0. We had to completely reprogram the product because I had no idea this was going to happen. It's black market babies. Okay. There's an adoption center in Second Life? It was an illegal <laughs> one. What is it? What would it be called? But how is any of this legal versus illegal? It's a place for gently used babies. Traffic, baby traffic. Yeah, it was totally Totally trafficking. baby trafficking was terrible. And I had no <laughs> idea this would happen. And I have people co contact me crying that someone stole their baby. 
And I would say, well, you Wait, passed what? it to them. I'm sorry. You gave that. You gave them your baby. Right. And they didn't know. It also seems wild to me that you can't trace where the baby is based on how it was. We could. No, we could. But oh, okay, it was so okay. it, we didn't want to get in disputes because let's say there were there. We, we fixed all this and I could explain how we fixed it. But let's say there was a dispute. Mother buys the baby. She's with father. She passes the baby so father can give the baby a bottle. And then he decides he wants to keep the baby and runs off and or meet somebody else or, you know, and the mother loses the baby. And so, yes, we could track it. But at the same time, he would say, she gave me this baby. We got it together or I paid for it. It's mine. And so- Oh, God. Oh my God. This is so real world. If a character, an avatar in Second Life possesses an item like a hat, a baby, that is then in their inventory and no one can take it away once they possess it unless they willingly give. Is this- Meaning, even if there's a dispute, I still can't get the baby back unless the player allows it. That's right. And so we could technically go on our database and get the baby back from them where they would res it and then it would delete itself and it was just a terrible process. But you'd, Yeah, you'd be recreating it, not getting the same one but back. That, but that, we, we were able to solve this problem, but technically that's what... Because we didn't know. We, there was no way to know that people would... Be monsters. <laughs> I never knew that there would be people's really like griefers, they're called, just hanging out on our sim trying to get people mm-hmm. to pass on their babies so they could resell them. The other thing is the babies would um, have more value if they were leveled up. So if I paid, for example, my baby to get to level five where it was talking and then I passed that baby to somebody else, that baby had more value because it already was leveled up and could talk. Okay, so we didn't anticipate that people would do that. We didn't, and and then that's when people got very upset because they lost their babies and they said it wasn't their fault and they didn't know. And and so we had to completely recode the baby where there was a true owner. And what that means hmm. is that when you bought the baby, let's say your avatar is Jane Smith. So Jane Smith clicks the vendor and they buy the baby. Now, when Jane Smith reses the baby, it's resed under her name. And then Jane Smith could log into a website and they can assign caregivers. And by assigning caregivers, they were able to essentially pass another user a HUD that allowed the other user to res the same baby. And they were given permissions to do that on the website. So let's say Jane Smith has the baby and Jane Smith is the true owner and she meets Jack and she says, okay, I want Jack to be able to feed my baby. So I'm going to log on to this website, give Jack permissions to res my baby. And then Jack could, and now Jack has the baby, but at any point, Jane could go back to the website and reclaim full permissions and get the baby back. Mm -hmm. So we solve that by having the baby res from a HUD, which talked to our database. So a true owner would always be able to get their baby back if they ever passed it to anybody else. And we had to completely rewrite all this code to make sure that worked because of the way people treated these products. Wow. Babies on the blockchain. This is insane. Are there courts in Second Life? (laughs) No, there are. No, no. But there were people literally crying. Like they would say, I'm crying. Mm. I loved I loved my baby and it's gone. And and so once we figured out how to solve that problem, then we had other sort of problems that were were not nearly as terrible. But we would people would say, well, it's my baby, too. Why does Jane Smith have to be the true owner? We're we're married. And, And we had to explain, well, I'm sorry, but she, she's the one who bought the baby and there has to be one person that has 100% rights. And if you want your own baby, you have to buy your own. And so that was just what we had to do to combat people just being terrible. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Sorry. If you want to share a baby, you just have to have two kids and parent trap it if you get divorced. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And now, at, as a result of changing the code and reconfiguring the product, we had a lot less people miserable and unhappy and feeling like they lost something that they cared about. That is like a, it's funny to me, but I know it's like traumatic for whoever was going through it. Yeah, it was really traumatic. I was, yeah, what surprised me was I was surprised that people felt such a deep feeling emotional, like they really felt like it was their baby and they mm -hmm. legitimately got upset. And I believe them. I mean, they would say like, this has affected me in my, my real life. I'm upset. I, I, I cared for this baby. I bought clothing for it. I carried it everywhere. And now so-and-so took off with it. And like, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it took a, quite a while for us to figure out how to fix this. I just kind of want to see uh <laughs> someone talking about their experience with their baby being stolen. And then you find out it was in second life, you know, like in <laughs> those old true crime sort of style documentary TV shows where it's like Jane Smith was just walking around a grocery store when a kind <laughs> stranger offered to hold her crying baby. And now she's babyless. And you're like, Oh my gosh. And then it's just, it was in second life. And that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Or we talk to the baby uh, traffickers and be like, oh, yeah. This is a whole criminal enterprise yeah. that is going oh, on. Oh, yeah. They made a lot of money off it. That's they what really I mean. Did. Yeah. Real money. God. Yeah. It's so. Wait, that's fucking wild. wild. Why wouldn't those people just buy from you if they want a baby? Well, because they would make a lot more money doing it this way. Yeah. They don't have to make the baby. They just steal it and sell it. No, I'm saying the people who are buying the, the black market babies. Mm -hmm. It's probably cheaper. Oh, it's cheaper. Yeah, they would they could get a baby, but you know, yeah, they would buy it from the, the third party or the black market could sell it slightly under what I sell it for. Wow. Yeah, it, it was a mess. I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like, who would know? I, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. And did those users even know that they were buying stolen babies? It's hard to say. You know, I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would never support an adoption center because of this. I would say if you don't buy from me, I can't guarantee you're getting a product that will work. So are some adoption centers, it's just like somebody bought an Animesh baby and now they're, they're done being parents and they don't need it anymore and they sell it through this adoption agency? Well, so the Animesh fixed all this. So when we did the Animesh babies, there there were adoption centers are pretty much out of business now because we solved this problem. Ha. But these were called legacy babies. And, you know, they were in it just to make money. They know people, they didn't care. And then the customer base even the, even the customer base that bought the legacy babies from the adoption centers were just happy to have a baby because they just wanted something, again, to hold and to care for. But here's also a way that we were able to combat this is that we built a community. And right now we have a Discord also. But at the time, we had groups in Second Life, and we still have these groups where you could go on and you could talk to our client base and our customer service people. And so... If you really wanted the baby, you would buy it from the, the actual store because that way you know that you're getting the actual product. It's not stolen. You have support for it. I'm all for discount shopping, but I guess it does <laughs> seem weird with a baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the time. Yeah. Don't cheap out on the babies. Yeah. yeah. If you if you're trying to cut costs, not not with the baby. Let's you know. It's 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 just like it's not something you have to have. So just save up for it if something you want. Do you provide technical support ongoing for your babies? What's your warranty? Oh yeah, we have to. Oh my gosh, there's endless support and endless support in multiple <laughs> languages. I mean, there are people who wow. are online. But the interesting thing is that because people have this connection, again, an emotional connection to these things, whether they're babies or puppies or kitties or whatever, they like to talk about them. And so they like to go online and just 
talk about what they did with the baby, and they also like to help other people. We do have a staff of people who are there just to help, but the community itself helps because they just enjoy it. That's been really useful. When you have thousands of people online that kind of are just there and they already have used the product and they can provide feedback on if something goes wrong, it's a really wonderful way to help new customers get acclimated with what with their baby. That's so sweet. Amazing. Do you offer changes in the haircuts for the babies? Yeah. So what we do is we sell, a lot of things are sold separately. So you can have a baby that is very customizable to your own desire. So we have various different types of hairstyles that you can buy separately. Like if you want your baby to have braids or have a ponytail or have a mohawk, we sell those separately. But then we have an affiliate program that allows endless artists to texture those assets. If you want your baby to have pink hair, I don't necessarily make pink hair, but I'll sell hair that allows other people to make it pink and then they can sell that texture to the community, which also grows the brand. And if you love your baby and you want it to have pink hair, but you are happen to be an artist that wants to sell pink hair, you can do that. Wow. Or any kind of clothing too. I mean, it's just it's not with hair, just with outfits as well. So if you want your baby to have a t-shirt that you made, you can make one just for your own baby where you can sell it to the community as well. And we have like an, a separate whole advertising space for people who are affiliates who want to sell their baby shoes or their baby hairstyles. It's not. And it makes me think about too, when you think about Facebook and these other virtual worlds who, you know, what what's what is the future going to be and how are people going to play with these virtual goods? And I honestly think that Second Life has been doing this for so long and we have so many experience with how people use these products. Yeah. I had no idea that people would steal them or resell them or whether you're a trafficking baby site, you know, I had no idea. But because <laughs> we did this for so many years, I'm really curious how when virtual worlds are adopted globally, you know, and people are like using their Oculus headset and going going in and buying virtual goods, you know, what's going to happen? They're not making a creator economy. They're not. And we've been covering this. That's the the sad slash failure point is that there, it's like Meta owns everything and you can just play in it the way you go on Facebook and you can create content, but you can't, you can't make a living. You can't quit your job making content on Facebook with with a few exceptions. And someone else will create a competitor because I don't think. Yeah, let's hope hope so. Let's hope. It just feels like Second Life is so, I mean, obviously it's not like good all the time. We have baby stealers and all kinds of things, but it is more, I get it. I get it now why it's called Second Life. It's more like real life than other things, like other video games and other virtual spaces. This is a lot more like real life. So do the babies grow up? They learn. Again, one thing you had said before that people sort of want to, you know, recreate having a baby when, you know, if they're older and they want to have that experience again and don't necessarily want their children to grow up. I have a son, I remember, I have two children actually, but one of them, when he was four years old, I remember cuddling him and I remember saying to him, don't grow up because you're so cuddly. Like he was so sweet and cuddly and he's, he's still a good kid. He's like 13 now, but he's not as cuddly. Like, and I'm thinking, I remember cuddling him in his bed and, and I just, I always, I was so, it was so wonderful just to snuggle him. So I, again, that experience was a real life experience. And in, with the babies, people don't really want them. Some people do, but for the mm-hmm. most part, they want them to stay, stay small, but they want them to also at the same time learn. So the babies can level up so they can learn to say mommy or daddy, or they can learn to walk, or they can actually learn to fly. That's one thing you can't have in real life, but they don't <laughs> really grow in scale. 
And also because honestly, this sounds really bad, but I don't want to make teenagers. Like, like I'm, I'm fine with just making babies. Like, yeah, you're like programming an attitude. Like, no, it. why do no, no? And I don't think people would be would necessarily love them the same. Like, I just think like, like they, it's not the same. It, you know, and so people have asked me like, oh, can you make my child get to, you know, age 15? And I, I'm like, no, it can learn to a few things, but no, we're not going to do that. What is the n- highest number of babies that you think someone has oh, purchased? Oh, like 30. <laughs> oh my Wait, God. Wait, like one person, one person. purchased 30 oh, yes. babies? Why? What did they do with the 30 babies? This is my literal nightmare. Well, it's, I know. Well, first of all, again, remember, this is about a community. This isn't about one person. So this is a way for people who maybe are lonely or want to recreate a life they used to have or maybe create a life they haven't had. The babies allow, they offer a shared experience. So if I buy a baby and I go to a park, I can have my friend care for the baby or I can have my partner care for the baby. So they like to have play dates. They like to meet together and hang out with their children on play sets. And they like to dress them differently. It's kind of, and also there's part of it where you just like to dress little dolls and make them all look kind of cute and customize them and show them and and just, you know, when you take them to places. So it's part people, the people who have a lot are more collectors, I guess. And also, again, it's very community-based. It's integrated into their their virtual lives. I think you've alluded to this a little bit with the childbirth, but like there's no downside, meaning the baby doesn't cry, the baby doesn't start. Like it's only the good parts about having a baby or a pet or whatever. And it's none of the bad parts. It's just like, it's like collecting Pokemon. They just are cute That's and hang exactly out. Right, but that was very much with intention. So the baby can right. cry, but if you don't want to hear it cry, you can turn that off. So, but yes. And there are people that are like, well, you know, I want my baby to uh, misbehave and I want to put my baby in timeout. And I, and I, that it's my decision as the creator that no, that you're not going to be able to do that. No. Right. It's just, it's not part of your product. Other people might be making different products, but that your, yours is in a certain way. That was right with intention. So I didn't want to penalize people who didn't care because I thought, well, what if they can't afford it, or what if they wanted to have this experience? And I, and but I wanted to reward those who did. Yeah, that's I love that. I'm wondering for the pets, do you have to feed them and clean their cages or in their poop and stuff? <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, again, uh-huh. like I said. We sell more virtual cat litter and virtual cat food than we do actual cats. So with Second Life, Second Life has changed over the past several, I guess, 20-something years. And when Second Life was first allowing creators to develop products, we weren't able to use programs like Maya or Blender to create realistic-looking like 3D animated assets like you would see in a movie or you would see in a a high-end like a AAA video game. But now you can. And so when we first made our products, although they had the functionality that you, we have in, with our current products, they didn't have the same animation and realism that they do today. But yes, we do have cats that you feed. Currently, our new Animesh cats do not have a care system, but we plan to build that into them. And so we really had to, we were slowly rebuilding our brand and our products to have the same game mechanics that they had when we started, but have much more realistic 3D animated models and realistic animations and textures and things like that because the technology changed. And that's another thing. If you run a business like this, you have to keep up with changing technology and make your products better over time. Okay. So we've, we've talked about pets. We've talked about babies and outfits for babies and, and pets. So what other things are, are you looking to sell at Zuby right now? So what we'd like to do is expand the pet market 
and make all our products integrated. And what that means is let's say that you buy a puppy in the future, not only will you have the puppy that you can care for that will eventually grow into an adult dog, but that puppy can play with your baby. And that's something that will take time to code and program, but that way every product interacts with every other product and also interacts with the avatar. That's the goal within the next two years. That's rad. That's cool. So there's lots of like living products that you sell that it's cool that they're going to be integrated. But I hear that you're launching a new product that's a little bit different from what I would expect. So can you tell me about that? When we sell the babies, we sell all sorts of realistic looking furniture and home accessories where you can use your baby. So that's part of sort of what we've been doing. So for example, we just sold a baby swing, but because people live in virtual homes, we're going to be selling virtual tubs that you can put your baby in that you could fit inside your home. Like to give your baby a bath. Yes, exactly. There is another project I am working on that I'm very excited about. I've been developing it with a team for about two years now and we're close to launching it. And it has nothing to do with babies or pets. Um, and it's not part of Zuby. I'm, I'm part of um, a small group of people. And it's called a virtual catalog called Cat Tech. And how it works is that imagine that you sell shoes. Okay. You are a store and you sell shoes. And in a virtual world, you have a virtual store and I'm a customer and I go to your store and I buy shoes. But imagine now that there's a trade show and in the trade show, you go and you put your shoes on display and every other brand that sells shoes also has their shoes on display. And now I go and it's called an event and there's an event about shoes and I can go and buy shoes from you or I could buy shoes from all these other people that I maybe never even knew made shoes. That happens right now in Second Life. But what we're going to do or what we've been doing for two years is we're building a virtual catalog where I don't necessarily have to teleport to the event to buy shoes, but I can have a catalog that shows me all the different shoes that people all over sell. And the reason that's important is that it gives me an opportunity to buy something immediately in my own home without having to teleport to a crowded sim to buy it. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like I'm, I'm, I'm part, again, part of a team developing this. When you develop products in virtual spaces, there are limitations. For example, if I go to an event with like 5,000 people selling shoes, but only 300 people could be on the sim at the same time because it gets too crowded and it will crash and you can't see anything, this is a solution to that problem. And that makes me super excited, not only about offering something unique and easier to use and experience, but thinking about virtual goods in a way of how we're going to distribute them in the future and what the technology is going to offer. Even in real life, we have we have real events and we have Amazon, you know, where you could buy everything. Also, not I'm not saying Amazon's great or not great, but but it's an alternative. Like it's an alternative. I was going to say you created online shopping for an in-world it online. It's, it's kind of world. a mind thing. That's why I was trying to explain it slowly. But what's really fascinating about this is it's almost like one click away. So, okay, on Amazon, here's a difference. Let's say okay, in real life, Amazon, you buy shoes, fine, you get the shoes. But you can't go to a store in France and look at those shoes, okay? But in a virtual catalog, let's say I buy the shoes on the virtual catalog. I look at the shoes. I like the shoes. Not only can I click the shoes and see a demo of them appearing in my own home, but I have a link where I can immediately teleport to the store in virtual France and see them in a virtual 3D space. So that's the difference. And that to me is so mind-blowing and amazing. And that makes me so excited about thinking about a virtual world and what these opportunities are that are so uniquely different than how we experience our physical spaces. And it gives access also to the, um, the 
the, the creator. They don't have to wait and, you know, their shoes to load. All they have to do is have the customers have this catalog and then immediately they increase their customer user base. Right now, there are five of us working on this. Then we have another team of people that are going to be testing the hell out of it. But we're working with event planners. We're working with creators and we're, I'm working, I'm working very closely with a developer who actually built the database for the babies. It just makes me super excited because I like thinking about what's possible. And even if this thing doesn't take off, at least I, I, I learned something and I kind of get, got to like play with it and see how people responded to it. And, and when you think about, like you were talking about Facebook, not being a creator, you know, not ideal for creators. I think that's really sad because if you give creators the opportunity to make things like this. If they can make a living right, too, I think right. that's important, which is what sets Second Life apart. Exactly. Of like, I can make a lot of cool stuff on the internet, but if I can't eat, if I can't pay my rent, then I'm going to stop doing that eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But this is, the catalog is almost like a win-win. So if we're able to make the catalog and we get a small percentage of the events that are happening, but it gives the creator an opportunity to gain far more customers because they have easier access to what they're selling. Well, that sounds amazing. And how you described it seems like exactly the spirit of Second Life. You can explore what's going on and test the possibilities, which seems like the Second Life way. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I think Second Life is an amazing place with amazing creators and a lot of talent and the creativity is just endless. Carrie, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your products and your store and your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. I still don't want a baby, but thank you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I am simultaneously excited by the idea that people want to like create little families for themselves and also am a little bit like, huh, do these people want real families? <laughs> like, it's like a lot of it is people who used to have little kids and it's nice to just like have a little kid, but are they just keeping a baby for like a decade? You know what I mean? That's what I think about. Yeah. It's definitely confusing. It's almost like people having a baby doll. Yeah. That's, I guess mm. that is what it's like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, we covered reborns, you know, people who get, who buy these extremely lifelike baby dolls essentially. And so sort of the virtual equivalent now. Yeah. That, that sounds right. It's a virtual lifelike baby doll. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's also funny because, I mean, when she was saying about how people in the early days of the tech were getting their babies stolen and I'm like, yikes, <laughs> that has to be like traumatizing, even though it's not a real baby. Like you spent a lot of time with it, on it. You started ascribing like a real your personal human emotions to it. And then someone's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Also like anytime something that you own is stolen, it just feels so invasive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Virtual or, or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing should, none of this should shock us at this point. And I think that's obvious, but I tend to come at it through the, the game, the video game virtual world lens on it, which is just like, there's millions of adults keeping virtual pets. You know, Pokemon is, the biggest, biggest franchise ever, full stop. Like it, it is the most money-making thing. And yes, it's for kids, but also like millions of adults are collecting and breeding and trading and, and owning virtual pets across millions of different games. And I know like a pet is different from like a baby, but I, I don't see a huge leap here in terms of virtual caretaking. But this is this is almost next level in, in, in its own way, which is what kind of 
floored me uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I think what's funny is like I wouldn't want to do this in real life, and I definitely want wouldn't want to like do it as a hobby, right. <laughs> or, like right. relive it. You know what I mean? For me, it would be like reliving like a traumatic time. I don't know, right. which is interesting because it just reminds me like how different we all are. I mean, you know, my, mm. I have a sister-in-law who just is absolutely obsessed with being a mother. I think she always wanted to be a mother and I think that's wonderful. And I've yeah. never felt that way. <laughs> well, I would be interested in interviewing other Second Life communities. So as Second Life continues to bum rush our Discord, thank you, uh, <laughs> I would be down to, to explore other communities. So um, anyway, you listener, you are welcome to join the conversation in our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can also email us. That's 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. I love when we get voicemails. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And of course, so helpful, patreon.com slash 2G1P. And we haven't said it in a while, but if you like the podcast and you can leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, if they have a review section, that's very helpful for discovery. And you can follow me across social media. I'm at Allie underscore Goldie. I am at the Lindsay Life, Lindsay with an E, across all platforms. I think that's it. We'll see you next time. Heart your faces. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is gestated by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford, then delivered to the internet. Bloody and crying, I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Avital Ayler, and production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.